editor, former online and managing editor, and host of Talk That Talk, award-winning journalist Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. It is 10 o'clock on a Thursday night. You guys know what time it is. It is time for Talk That Talk. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. In studio with my guy, Matthew Raftery. Matt, we were sitting here talking before the show. We were kind of getting amped about something. These lights hit, and we knew right away, it's 10 o'clock. It's 10 o'clock. It's time to get started. So, first of all, Matt, welcome to the Thursday show, as always. This is always our, 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 our hair down show. This is always our feet kicked up show. What's going on with you today, man? Not too much. Kicking the feet up, like you said. Maybe sh- sipping a little champagne. We might get into a couple reasons why, but you know, it's a good week. It's definitely a good week. And the funny, re- funny thing is, it's such a packed week in sports that it's in the back end of this show. Yeah. Like that's the weird part, and the funny thing is, you can call it. It's it is probably cheating, but nevertheless, football rules everything. Like once, especially once helmets go on, conversation becomes football. Once pads come on, nobody cares about anything else. Like nobody cares about anything else in the world. But we're gonna try to give you guys a full show today. We do got an hour of football before we hop into our aces. We got our aviators. We got our athletics. We even got some Brittany Griner news for you guys today. And somebody should be in the building, so I expect these lights to come on soon. Random question for you, Matt, before we get into socials. Do you know where the new light switch is? If I did, I'd flip it. I'm going to show you after this show. That's funny. I'm definitely going to show you after the show. But nevertheless... If you guys want to follow this radio show on all of our social medias, first of all, you can do it on Twitter at TalkThatTalkLV. Once again, our Twitter is at TalkThatTalkLV. As far as any other platform for our radio show, we can be found at TalkThatTalkRadioShow. Once again, those other platforms are TalkThatTalkRadioShow. As mentioned before, I was actually listening to the Back and Forth podcast earlier, and it was just good to hear again. But similar to the Back and Forth podcast, the Talk That Talk radio show is an exclusive of the Talk That Talk media company. If you guys want to follow that on any of our socials, once again, on Twitter, it is TTT Media Company. And once again, that media company's Twitter is TTT Media Company. Now, again, similar to the radio show, all other platforms, you can find it fully spelled out, Talk That Talk media company. Once again, I'm talking Facebook. I'm talking, what else do we have? We have Instagram. TikTok as well. Trust me, more coming on that soon. Um, all can be found at Talk That Talk Media Company. Let's go ahead and start with this. I think this is a good place to start, especially if we're talking football, especially this time of year. It comes from Bill Parcells. My job is to call attention to things that I think are the difference between winning and losing. If I can't do that, then I have failed as a coach. Read it again. My job is to call attention to the things that I think are the difference between winning and losing. If I can't do that, then I failed as a coach. Um, First of all, how do you, you want to respond to that? If not, I got a topic we can hop straight into. Wasn't on this list, but let's talk about it because of this tip in. I would say that some coaches are really good at that. And some coaches are still a work in progress at that. Work in progress. That's a nice way to say really bad at it. Um, Cool. You want to talk about your head coach? You want to talk about Mike Tomlin? Oh, he's a mastermind at that. 
he, he might have his own dictionary on that. 100%. 100%. Did you see him on Pivot? On the Pivot podcast? I may have saw bits and pieces. Cool. I haven't listened to it in its entirety either. I went back, by the way, and listened to a couple of those episodes and just so many podcasts today are necessary like they're just so needed those conversations with those gentlemen are always needed uh people never like to believe it but certain people just bring out different things so i think um let's just use antonio brown as a reference point right if he goes to drink champs nori's gonna pull something different out of him if he goes to uh the breakfast club something different is gonna be pulled out of him if he goes to pivot something different is going to be pulled out of them. So I think it's important to have all of these different platforms. Nevertheless, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about some of those clips that's been floating around. Mike Tomlin, one of the most famous clips recently. I enjoyed it. He, he mentioned that he loves reading these talent evals when it comes to, to, to draft time. And a lot of people don't have uh, – it's almost like writing a kid off. Like – doesn't have good hands, doesn't have all of these different things. And he was just basically saying to him, that sounds like people that are trying to run away from coaching. Those are all things that, yeah, it probably isn't professional level. That's why you coach them. And he said that he never ran away from coaching. What do you think of when you hear something like that? I mean, I hear a guy that, first of all, has never had a losing season in Pittsburgh, regardless of the roster. Um, and, I mean, we're, we're including, you know, a, a dark time when Mason Rudolph was the starting quarterback. And, Relax. And he somehow drug that team to, like, I think 8-8 eight and eight that year. It was definitely not a losing record. It was either 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and, and I think this is – another important time in Mike Tomlin's career moving off of a longtime franchise QB and Ben. And I mean, admittedly you're for the short term, you're probably downgrading going to Mitch Trubisky from Ben Roethlisberger. I, I wouldn't necessarily dispute that, but what I think is going to help the Steelers is one, it's Mike Tomlin and two, and this is going to sound like this guy's catching a stray, and he's probably, he, I guarantee he he's not. He probably is. He is. Unintentionally, he probably is. I don't even know who he is, and it is. Uh, well, you, you know, here in a second. Um, this is still going to probably look like a better led and better ran offense than it did under Mason Rudolph. Because he definitely isn't going to catch that stray. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he catches some helmets too, but you know, that's. Oh, man. Um, but. I mean, say I, and P, and <laughs> look, May, Mitchell Trubisky gets a bad rap for, for what for his time in Chicago. Okay, from again, he Mitchell Trubisky's going from Matt Nagy to Mike Tomlin. You know what? All right, <laughs> I never thought I would sit here and defend Mitchell Trubisky. Once you mention Matt Nagy, it's like all right, you're it, not. It's very and you're I not Adam Gase bad, but you're you're pretty bad and. I mean, I don't know if this is necessarily going to happen for Mitch, but if you want to look at quarterbacks that got out of bad situations and went to great head coaches, look no further than the Super Bowl champ, Matt Stafford. He went from a dumpster fire of Detroit, who at the time, my God, was it, who was their head coach? It wasn't Dan Campbell. This was, it was Matt Patricia. 
Ah, good one. So he went. Matt Stafford went from Matt Patricia, the failed Patriot assistant, to Sean McVay, one of the brilliant young minds in the game. Yep. Mitchell Trubisky going from Matt Nagy, who probably overstayed his welcome by a little bit in Chicago, <laughs> to Mike Tomlin, who has coached almost every single personality known to man that's walked through the door. So random, but now you you brought it up, so now I want to talk. Did you see Justin Fields taking swings at Wrigley Field? Really? A couple weeks ago. Did you see that? Uh Uh-uh. He absolutely demolished one. (laughs) Like, deep over the wall, right? Or or deep to uh, left center, I believe it was. Um, Far over the wall. It went viral, obviously, and the internet is so quick. Somebody was like, wow, and to think. Matt Nagy would have made him bunt. Probably. That's, and it's no probably to it. Absolutely he would have made him bunt. That makes me think. Somebody. He we, threw the ball like nine times in his debut because of Matt Nagy. Yeah. And we might talk about this other person later on. It's kind of sort of related, but not. It's like halfway there. Yeah. Um, somebody said, what if uh, what if Shohei wasn't playing baseball and he was playing like something like football? And I saw, Yeah. He might be a, a, the next receiver for New England, right next to the Kroger bad, bag boy and the discount tire mechanic. This is <laughs> in the receiving court. <laughs> this is so bad. But I so mean, bad. when you say stuff like that, like, oh yeah, you know, um, Justin Fields is hitting homers at Wrigley. The Cubs aren't that great this year. Hey, a lot of people are like, ah, yeah, two way, yeah, play. I mean, I mean, hell. How bad do the Rockies need help? Yeah. Russ is in town now. Exactly. <laughs> like, Russell Wilson's in town now. But I, I believe every camp officially opened by the end of Tuesday. Yeah. So every camp is officially open now. And, by the way, just to uh, let you guys know at home, if you guys are watching us via Facebook Live, first of all, we appreciate you. Second of all, second of all you understand and you realize that these lights have not come back on. So it's one of two things. Either – Matt and I were wrong, and there's nobody else in this building. And good to know if that's the case. Secondly, if that's not the case, we are in the middle of a Thursday night thunderstorm. And I'm not going to lie. I was sitting at home and looking at the time, and I'm like, okay, well, I can leave around this time, or I can get there around this time. I can get there around this time. As I'm sitting there, I thought I saw lightning. And I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting on my couch, and I said, nah. I go back to doing what I'm doing, and I see lightning again. And I said, is it cold outside? Went and checked, realized it wasn't. Get everything ready for the show, and in a matter of moments, it's coming down. <laughs> like, I hear it coming down. So I said, okay, it's obviously time to go. So I get in the car. I'm on my way here, and it seems like it always happens to me. But as soon as I get in the car and drive out of my driveway, it, it's damn near hailing outside. And I'm like, did y'all, did you guys feel me leave the house? Because it definitely got worse. And I couldn't see on the way here. It's just all bad. So, whatever. Good good thing I'm staying on campus a little bit afterwards, I think. We'll see. But, nevertheless, something happened with these lights. So, if you guys are watching on Facebook Live, we hope that you can see us and you can make us out. So, it's funny. I was... 
driving here and I noticed the same thing. It's like it was sprinkling over where I was, and I was like, all right, we'll sprinkle. Like we've had this pretty much all through a week. Right. As I get closer to campus, it gets a little heavier. I'm like, okay. And we had something similar maybe a little bit earlier in July last year. It was just one night. It was just bizarre. I mean, like, I had never seen Vegas weather like that. This probably ranks right next to that. And I'm like, okay, this was the once a year really bad rain, hail, thunderstorm that Vegas gets. Like, if you live in Vegas, it you rains know. about 10 days a year anyways. This is probably the hardest it's going to rain all year. After this, it's like, it'll rain for five minutes here, 10 minutes there. It'll be done. And I was just getting ready to ask you that. Um, a lot of people may not understand this, and I wanted to, to, to be sure about it as well. Uh, we are in the middle of monsoon season. Like, a lot of people Crazy don't monsoon. understand, like, like that it does rain Pop here in showers. Vegas. Randomly. like It could be sunny, and then 20 minutes later, you're like, where did those come from? No, we just had a show, I believe, <laughs> last Monday, and we had that issue. We left, and I think I tweeted it right after, and I said, 90-degree rain. Like, not that's not it. No. With I don't like that. Yeah, with the humidity, no, no. No, like, and uh, <laughs> shout out to, I guess we're getting right into the Raiders because we're going to bring this up. Yeah. But um, one Raider player, before I go ahead and ruin it, one Raider player said, uh, was talking about the weather, and he was like, no. Uh, they, they mentioned how this player, being from another state, probably wasn't too weirded out by the weather, right? The heat is the heat. And the player looked and was like, no, it was hot. Like, like I don't think you guys realize he was like, well, you guys realize it, but people on the outside world don't realize how windy Vegas is. He said in yesterday, it was no wind. Like, it was just still. He was like, so, nah, it was pretty bad yesterday. <laughs> it was pretty bad yesterday. And we could only imagine. Denzel Perryman actually came to the sideline to grab some water. Of course, if you've been following him on social media or following the Raiders, you know about his slogan, stay hydrated. But um, when he came to the sideline, he's obviously about to get hydrated. Somebody mentioned the weather, and he was like, no, the weather's fine. Like, it's these damn mushrooms they have us wearing on, on our helmets. And, of course, that's the padding on the helmets to keep players safe during these training camp times. But speaking of training camp, I want to revisit a conversation that we had on Monday and kind of expand on it because that person that I was talking about a second ago is going to be the Raiders' number three receiver. And it completely skipped my mind because, got to be honest, the Raiders absolutely have a steal with this person. But the person that I was speaking about is from Florida. The person that I was speaking about is Demarcus Robinson. So, shout out to Demarcus Robinson. Uh, did his media availability yesterday, I believe it was. Pardon. And make sure I get off the mic. And if you guys wonder, are wondering where that name came from, it's not far. It's actually in the AFC West, formerly of the Kansas City Chiefs. And they, 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 they asked him about the receiving room, right? Because obviously we understand the the trio of Darren Waller, uh, Devontae Adams, and Hunter Renfro at the top of the of – the, I guess the, you could say they expected depth chart. No depth chart is out at the present moment. But we kind of know what the Raiders are gonna, is going to look like, at least on the top half. Um kind of how it compared to the other receiving rooms that he's been in considering Kansas City has had a pretty wild one. And the weird thing is, I wonder what these players are supposed to say in moments like this. 
No, Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Byron Pringle, myself, McCall Hartman. No, nobody touches that receiving room. Like, what is he supposed to say? So, obviously, you, he, he said what's, what's very appealing to hear from a lot of people. And as soon as um, I left the show before, the name came to mind. And I said, well, without question, Demarcus Robinson is going to go ahead and get that spot. Because one of the first questions that he was asked, I believe, came from Adam Hill of the Review Journal. And he said, pretty sure that if Kansas City expected that they had Tyreek Hill sewn up, they wouldn't have let you walk. And they just kind of they kind of posed the question from that nature. But he's walking into a situation where I think he has a chance to be a big-time player in an offense that's probably going to ex- uh, kind of exceed a lot of people's expectations. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. We know there's going to be the defensive emphasis on Devontae Adams. Like, I would say the majority of the defenses the Raiders face, if not all of them, will be double-teaming Devontae Adams. Because I think teams understand – they know Waller is a threat, but they know Devontae Adams is a bigger one. And so their teams typically try, when they're doubling, they're doubling your biggest threat. Now, that could open up the door for some wider open looks than maybe Darren Waller is used to, especially if you go back to last year. There were times where that receiving core was going through some injuries. Darren Waller actually became the number one guy, and teams started double-teaming him. His numbers go down. That's kind of the trickle effect. Now I think Darren Waller, for the most part, there might be a game or two here or there where he does see some double teams, but for the most part, I think Darren Waller is going to be mainly in single coverage along with the rest of the receiving core. And we already know what Hunter Renfro can do in single coverage. I mean, he torches defenses in single coverage. And, I mean, as a defense, you can only cover so much. You know, you're if You're naturally going to leave a guy, whether it's a Renfro, whether it is Demarcus Robinson, whether it's Waller, somewhat open almost by mistake especially if you're really concentrating on we want to take Devontae away which again I don't I mean you can try and take Devontae Adams away he's still going to get his touches he's still going to get his catches it just that's just the type of player he is now I mean some defenses are smarter than others I mean there may be games where you know you can slow down the Raider pass attack but really when you look at the offense as a whole I, I mean, I said it earlier that there's no real excuse for this team not to be averaging about 30 points a game, especially how gifted the offense is. I would say about 75% of those points are going to come through the air because of that's, that is their number one weapon is their pass attack. You have a, a capable quarterback in Derek Carr who you don't have to worry about. You know, it's not, it's, it's not like a Miami situation, right, where you have a great receiving core and you still have some questions at the quarterback spot as far as can he get it to his receivers, you know, where they need where they need it on time and all that. You know, you have a pretty established quarterback in Derek Carr. You have obviously the receiving core to go with it. Now, if they go really pass heavy, I look for maybe Josh McDaniels to sprinkle in more run. Because naturally the defense is going to start protecting the pass, meaning they're gonna go they're gonna start playing a little bit further from the line of scrimmage. And if you're Josh McDaniels, you're perfectly fine with Josh Jacobs picking up five or six yards. You don't need the big hit home run play from Josh Jacobs. If you can pick up five or six yards, particularly later on in games where you're maybe up, you know, a field goal or up a touchdown in that fourth quarter and you need to kind of grind some clock away, get yourself in good field goal position, you know, maybe put yourself in position to grab more points. 
you're going to, I think if you're Josh McDaniels and you're, and you're the Raider offense in particular, you're going to be happy that you went to your passing attack early to open up your running game and have one more balanced attack. We talked about it Monday, I believe it was, about Josh Jacobs saying that this was the first time in his NFL career, I believe it was five years, that he's been healthy. Like the times that he knows that he's maybe underperformed to certain people's expectations. Uh, we, we know how, how excuses are viewed, right, or how ex- explanations are viewed that's in certain uh, situations. But he comes out, and he's very open. And I think what was so interesting about him being open and saying that he was healthy was that puts a target on his back. That that puts, obviously, there's, there should be no decline in, in production for Josh Jacobs. And I think what's so interesting is you look at last year in my covering of the Raiders, he had some performances that – flirted with career highs for him and I think what's interesting is you you see those explosions and when I mentioned that he said that he was five years or healthy for the first time in five years first thing went through my mind was okay the Raiders are gonna run him into the ground only to have to remind myself that this is not the same Raiders team that's being led by John Gruden this is not necessarily uh, uh, an offense that is kind of predictable in the sense of you know that they're running on first down or you know that they're that, 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 that is play action on second down or whatever the case may be. Um, you kind of, as we've said before, we're a little unsure of what we're going to get from Josh McDaniels. It could be a blessing in disguise that, as you just said before, I kind of agree with you. I was wondering if it was going to be maybe 70% of the touchdowns through the air. I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you with about 75% coming through the air because a lot of teams are probably going to be preparing for that offensive attack. And as you said before, Josh Jacobs has already proven to be somebody that can't hurt you if you give him the opportunity to. Yeah, if you if you give Josh Jacobs enough space, especially if Jacobs gets into the secondary. I mean, Jacobs is one of those, he's, he, he's kind of one of those, I call him a hybrid type of backs. They can really beat you both ways. They can get up and through the tackles. They can grind up the tough yards when they need to. But he's also quick enough to where if he gets outside the tackles or he gets outside the hashes and he's going down the sideline, Josh Jacobs does have a little bit of breakaway speed to where he can be one of those um, speed backs in a sense where, um, you know, I mean, we look at football all the time and we we go, okay, well, we kind of throw running backs into two different categories. Either you're a, a bruiser that goes through the tackles and you're picking up the hard yards, you know, four or five yards at a time, or you're one that really tries to get outside the hashes and down the sideline for big gains. I think Josh Jacobs possesses a little bit of both in his game where he's got the size to go through the tackles and, you you know, pretty much get back up and, you know, get back at it. But he's also got the quickness to where if he can get a right angle on a defense and he can, you know, angle himself outside the hashes and he's got, you know, room into the secondary and beyond, Josh Jacobs could burst out a, a 35, 40 yard game in no time. And that's, I think, what really makes Josh Jacobs a tough person to defend against and to, um, you know, prepare for if you're opposing defenses. Now, I mean, you're you're trying to prepare for that along with the number one, one of the number one receivers in all of the league in Devontae Adams, one of the top tight ends in Darren Waller, and easily, a top, in my opinion, a top 10 quarterback in this league in, in Derek Carr. Now, you just talked about that that receiving core. First of all, before you move on from the running back core, or, well, Josh Jacobs more than anything, um, a lot of people forget. You talked about getting in, or first of all, doing the dirty work inside the numbers, and then if he gets outside the numbers, you got to deal with that as well. I think one thing that people do forget when it comes to Josh Jacobs, you just talked about it before, 
the strength of Josh Jacobs, I don't think, gets talked about enough. One of the more viewed, I believe, probably highlights from uh, was it the SEC championship, maybe even the, the national championship game, uh, Josh Jacobs last year in college, he absolutely lowered his shoulder on one of those final uh, scoring drives and barreled through a defender. And as you said before, this is at a point – He's outside the numbers. Like, this is finishing off a run. I'm 10 yards from the end zone, and that's the pad work that he does. So just to kind of give you an idea of the type of bruising and why he probably hasn't been healthy for five-plus years, but we'll see what a healthy Josh Jacobs looks like this year. Now, if we're having these conversations about Demarcus Robinson and him coming from an explosive offense in Kansas City and probably joining another explosive offense with Josh McDaniels and his Las Vegas Raider team, now we have to answer the hard questions. We're going to try to see if we can assess this wide receiver room right now. We have to make some cuts. So this is what the wide receiver room looks like right now. You have Devontae Adams, Keelan Cole. You have Justin Hall, who's a rookie from Ball State. You have Mac Hollins. Tyron Johnson, who I like a lot, and I've mentioned it before, I like a lot. Hunter Renfro, Demarcus Robinson, DJ Turner, Jordan VC, Isaiah Zuber, and, of course, on the pup list, Dylan Stoner, who my brother likes a lot. Um... Wow, man. How many receivers are you going into the year with? You can only take so many with you. How many How many in your mind are you trying to go with? Well, you need... I would say you need a minimum... I would say you probably go with six. That's my guess. Because I think you need... You would you would occasionally have four out there if you're going to go to a five wide set, you know, four receivers and Waller. Typically, if you're running a a usual four, I guess they call it four receiver look, you would have really it's three receivers and Waller. I mean, unless you know a helmet comes off or he he's man you know mandated to sit out a play, I don't see Darren Waller coming off the field all that much at all. And so, I think. For the most part, we're going to see a lot of three receiver, one tight end looks. Um, but it's going because of we talked about this. I think it was either Monday or last week. Darren Waller is one of those guys. He kind of fits into the hybrid category as far as he can line up as kind of a fourth receiver, and he's got the quickness for it. Even though technically, yes, he plays tight end. So if that's the case, let's try to figure out who's staying from this wide receiver room. If that's the case, I just tried to do some counting right now, and. Let's just go. Let's just go. Let's just go. Let's just go. Let's try to figure it out as a unit right now. So, first of all, I'm going to start with Dylan Stoner. And I know it's going to sound crazy, right? The reason why I'm starting with Dylan Stoner is because, first of all, my brother likes him. Yes, my brother's a Raider fan, so I got to trust his judgment a little bit. Because he's on the physically unable, unable to perform list, that gives me the notion that if the Raiders have seen something from him, there's probably a practice squad spot for him. And that's just where my mind initially goes. So he's not going to be one of the six that I mentioned, but he is probably going to be somebody, pardon, that hangs around a Raider franchise. Let's see if the rest of these make sense. Devontae Adams is, I think you can probably pin him in. I don't think you have to pencil him yeah. in, but let's go ahead and pin him in. I think Keelan Cole makes the roster. You need a vet. I think it works. 
how do you feel about it? A rookie has to go take his job. Or one of these young players have to go take a Keelan Cole spot. Yeah. Raiders didn't really draft a a high receiver as far as like a first or a second rounder. Yeah, I mean, I'd be okay with at least penciling in Keelan Cole for the moment. So you have Justin Hall, uh, who, who I mentioned before is the rookie out of Ball State. Obviously a, a huge opportunity to to turn some heads and make some noise. I definitely have seen Justin out there working already this, this training camp. Mac Hollins, this is an interesting one for me. Because in my mind, there are certain guys who you keep for locker room purposes. I don't know if Mac Hollins and his locker room purposes keep him on this Raider roster if they feel like his sole usage is going to come on the special teams. If they don't feel like Mac Hollins at some point is going to be effective in the past game, I don't think Mac Hollins makes this roster. I mean, what else is really behind Mac Hollins, though? I'm with you. I mean, I, we're, we're about to keep going down this list, so I'm going to give you some names in a second, and you tell me. But I think it's just one of those things to where it, it is a lot of talent in that wide receiver room, and I think unless he carves out a niche with the special teams, like he's going to be Matthew Slater for the New England Patriots, like unless it's one of those, he would have to be a dual threat. He would have to be somebody that you have to be aware of on special teams, but also be somebody that can go in there and get you a, a vital third down. If, as you said before, Hunter Renfro's helmet comes off or knock on wood, we know how brutal football can be, right? Mm-hmm. Let's get to the rest of these. I mean, Tyron Johnson is a name that he actually had a a, a, a post from the Raiders go up today, and um, they, they call him T-Billy, and just the foot speed. At 6'1", 193 from Oklahoma State, just the foot speed, uh, the ability to stop on a dime, the ability to cut. As I said before, I, I came in here and said I like Tyron Johnson so much. I see that as a number three receiver, completely forgetting that Demarcus Robinson is on a roster. But I think without a doubt, Tyron Johnson makes this roster. And I could be wrong. I'm saying this and I'm oh, I'm, I'm listening to it the moment right now. If I have to clip this because Tyron Johnson gets cut, I'm completely fine. Tyron Johnson is going to go be a monster somewhere. Is he kind of like a Zay Jones, do you think? Could be. I like that comparison, actually. How tall is Zay? Let me let me figure out the dimensions of Zay Jones. It's probably a wild thing to say. Um, he's 6'2", 6'2", 200. So he's an inch taller and seven pounds heavier. So you might be onto something. Does he have the motor like Zay Jones? Because that's, I think, what really raised Zay Jones' stock as far as make, getting a solidified roster spot is he had a motor for days. Like, I mean, there were people, I mean, within the organization that I was talking to that they were saying, you know, Zay's, like, insane when it comes to this type of stuff. Like, he, the, he has the normal practice, but, like, before practice, he goes and runs like five miles. He's doing all this lifting, um, all these different workouts and stuff outside of the training camp practices. 
like Zay's just insane when it comes to this type of, and that was what really attributed to his motor. I don't know if necessarily um, Tyron Johnson. Yeah, Tyron Johnson is quite like that, but if he's got similar attributes, maybe he, you know, he he's one of the speedier receivers. Maybe you know he shows a little more hustle. Like I mean, stuff like that might be enough to put him on a roster. I think these next two we're going to go ahead and similar to Devontae Adams. I don't think we have to pencil him in. I think we can pin him in. But Hunter Renfro and Demarcus Robinson, I think yeah. Hunter Renfro kind of speaks for himself. And Demarcus Robinson, I, I think the Raiders, a, a lot of people, I'm guilty of it, clearly myself. I guess both of us a little bit. Uh, this is going to be an offseason pickup that a lot of people don't realize until the first couple of weeks of the season. Or, hell, maybe even late into the season, they'll look up and say, wow, the Raiders really went out and went and not only got Demarcus Robinson, but took Demarcus Robinson from Kansas City. I think it's going to be interesting to mention. So I think both of those two gentlemen make the roster without an issue. Let's talk about these next three that are on the roster. We have DJ Turner, Jordan VC, and I hope I'm not wrong with that one, but I believe it's Jordan VC and Isaiah Zuber. Uh, all three uh, got a year of experience under their belt. It, it, it comes down to the small things, right? I was out at practice yesterday, and I, I watched. I forgot which. I'm trying to even remember which route it was. But I watched the route, and um, defense was well. Like, defense was well played, right? And I this was the, the wild part. I was kind of locked in on Zuber as he made his move, and he made a great move, and the defense was there. I could not tell you who it was, whether it was Jared Stidham, whether it was Chase Garbers. I do not think it was Derek Carr. Somebody's in the building. <laughs> All right. Good to know. That's kind of creepy because the lights were out for a little bit. But uh, thank you to whoever did that. But whether it was Nick Mullins, whether it was Chase Garbers, or whether it was Jared Stidham, the ball still got there. And the ball got there as Zuber was was actually leaping into the air. And as I said before, it comes down to small things. And I watched the ball bounce off his hands. And it may have hit him right in the chest, and it kind of bounced off. And I said, I'll be honest, that's just one of those plays to where you make your route, you make your or you, you run your route, you make your move, and you turn around and the guy's there. Like, I don't think this ball is going to get here. It's kind of no way for the ball to get here. And the ball gets there. All that anybody cares about is that the ball gets there. So when the ball bounced off, you heard kind of a collective groan from the crowd. And I'm not wishing anything negative on Isaiah Zuber by no means, but I did watch that moment and I said, might have just got himself cut. Yeah, I mean, those three names that you rattled off, if you're a GM, this is, I don't want to say an ideal situation, but those are three guys, you look and you go, oh, they only got a year of experience. We don't have a whole lot invested into them. May or may not find a roster somewhere else. That's uh, the key to me. I mean, we, thank you for your service. I mean, especially when you look at what you're already committed to in that receiving core we know that, like we said, you have three for sure's that are going to be there in Renfro, Demarcus Robinson, and Devontae Adams. I mean, you then have pretty much three open receiver slots, you know, a backup for each one, possibly. 
Um, you don't want to really carry too many receivers. I don't think Josh McDaniels is going to carry extra receivers just to play on the special teams unit. Right. Which is why the Mac Hollins. I know people yeah. may not want to talk about it because he's a favorite already so far in training camp. If Mac Hollins does not become one of these go-to receivers in this offense, I don't think Mac Hollins has a job in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, I it feels like they're going to be fairly tight on receivers as far as how many they take with. But those three, I think, when you just the gut feeling when you rattled off all three names, I was like, I don't think either one of them, any of them, are keeping a job. So you want to revisit a name really quick? Sure. Keelan Cole, can we go ahead and and, and get pretty close to pinning that in? Mm-hmm. I think Keelan Cole is going to be a name that's on this Raider roster again. I don't know exactly how big of a role he's going to play, but as I said before, uh, not even thirty years old as already, and he's been in the league for six years he has a veteran presence i mean this is somebody that i don't think you have to teach to be a professional if we we mentioned it before football is such a grueling game such a grinding game um it's so interesting how often that phrase kind of comes up in sports you know um it's what it's a grueling game or in case of injury just things like that and how often people are so quick to kind of knock on wood but we do understand the sport that we're covering and the gentlemen understand that the sport that they're playing i think Keelan Cole, for that reason alone as i mentioned is going to be kind of a safe bet to have on your roster regardless of if he's in the sixth spot or not you want to talk about another wide receiver really quick do i do do i want to talk about the receiver I don't know, man. Do I know this receiver? You know what's weird? I'm not in a relationship anymore, but when I was in a relationship, I used to watch Love and Hip Hop because my ex used to watch it. I couldn't tell you too much of anything about these shows, really. Outside of the times that I was like kind of forced to watch it. I remember viral video moments, right? And I remember, I don't even know which one this was, which, which one this one was, so don't yell at me, don't text me about it, I don't care. Um, Keisha Cole was on one of them, and I forgot what somebody did, and Keisha Cole, I guess the person got mad, and Keisha, and uh, they, they, they literally shook the table, and Keisha kind of laughed and was like, wow, this person's shaking the table, like that's supposed to mean something. When you said that you want to talk about the receiver, like the little kid in my mind kind of threw a tantrum, and I just want to shake all of this right now. Because how does it keep happening? I just told you guys that Kyle Rudolph is going to be mentioned in the top four best tight ends this year because of what he's going to be able to do with Tom Brady. I don't care that you guys tell me how old he is. I don't care that you guys point point out what happened in – Tennessee last year. At any point in life, think about the fact that Tom Brady now has Julio Jones to throw to. I don't care what what slot he's in. I don't. He, he he's their third wide receiver. I don't care. He's their second wide receiver. I don't care. He's he gonna be a tight end. I don't care. He could be on the bench roll. I, I don't care. He's still gonna be a threat. I don't care. <laughs> right. Just he can hold punts. I mean, he can hold kicks. I don't care. Who cares? Yeah. If that's the case, why didn't you guys go get him? Right. Like, we, we as a football community let Julio Jones fall to Tom Brady. So whatever damage Julio Jones and Tom Brady does as a duo, it's our fault. Not mad at either one of them. 
Do we pencil Tampa into the NFC Championship? Give me a team that's going to actually beat them in the NFC. I was just about to say it. I got like two, three names that came to mind, but it was all in the AFC. I don't know. I have no idea. No idea. I mean, if you're looking at numbers for sake, I would lean into Tampa a little bit. I'd have to look at their schedule, but I might lean into Tampa because you look at the teams in the NFC. Is Dallas really going to go toe-for-toe with Tom and Tampa? Is Mike McCarthy still the head coach? Okay, good point. Exactly. I was just, I was just making sure I'm I going through. The I, question. I, I know, I, I know. I'm going through the list, and you you said Mike McCarthy. So yeah, I, I figured it, he was still the coach too. I just wanted to make sure somebody else. Thanks for Aaron. Yeah, yeah. Thank Aaron. You're not thinking the right person. He, my look, Mike McCarthy. Like I told you, Mike McCarthy was just the guy that was listed as the head coach on the roster. They could have put anybody's name down on that roster. It would have been the same result. It would have been like, okay, Aaron. Do you want to hear more fandom frustration? I mean, I'm always down for this. Imagine watching Aaron Rodgers do what he did in his third year as quarterback for the Packers and winning a Super Bowl. Imagine how much I was talking in that moment about how much the Super Bowl is going – like the Super Bowl stage is going to get sick of seeing him. And he's never going back. He's going further than what Mike McCarthy's going. I mean, Mike, Mike McCarthy hasn't even seen the NFC Championship game. That's a fact. But anyways, as I was saying. Sorry, Dad. Um, yeah, I mean, Dallas is fun and all, but they're not a serious – they've never really been that serious contender to go, to go to the next level. You get them for about the divisional round. That's usually what they're good for. They'll win the, their wild card game. How do you feel about the Rams? Honestly, the mm. only teams that I feel like can beat Tampa at this present moment all come out of the NFC NFC West. It's either the Rams or the Niners. That can beat Tampa? Yes. If Trey Lance turns into... No. I would say the Niners are maybe a, a year or two away. What I, if Trey Lance is that guy? What if he's not? I mean, then they're is, in trouble. They're not even a year or two off. If if Trey it, Lance isn't the guy, they're if you're giving me the choice between the Niners or Tampa, I'm taking the proven quarterback. I haven't. Sure. I don't know a whole lot. I haven't seen enough of Trey Lance yet. I've seen bits and pieces. I know what I'm getting on to, with Tom Brady on the other side. I know what I'm getting with the defense as well in, in in Frisco, and I know this is what's so interesting. If Trey Lance, and this is what we've mentioned it before, Debo Samuel. Not wanting anything to do with a Trey Lance-led offense worries me. And I said it when we were at Westgate about a year ago. That's the ultimate indictment. And I don't care if his reason is that he simply loves Jimmy Garoppolo. He doesn't want to give you a shot. Right. He has seen something. I think they're – you mentioned it may be the Rams that that might give Tampa a legitimate game out of the NFC. I don't think the Packers can do it. Relax. They, they've lost too much. Watch the postseason roll around in, like, New Orleans Beach, Tampa. I'm going to be sick. <laughs> I'm not even sure New Orleans is going to be in the postseason. I'm telling you, man, that's my, that's my, that's my, uh, what's the word? That's my um Dark hot take. That's my hot take, for sure, man. I, I think Dennis Allen is going to shock a lot of people. I do. 10-7 is such a win for them, I'm telling you. I mean, look at even in their own division. Nobody's coming within anywhere 
within miles of Tampa Bay in that division. If they go, if New Orleans goes ten and seven, where does Tampa go? Without looking at their schedule, my gut is telling yeah, me. Yeah, I'm not looking. We're not looking at either. twelve or thirteen wins. If they, if Tampa has ten wins and wins the division with ten wins or twelve wins, I'm ecstatic to have ten and be sitting behind them. Yeah, even if my two losses came to them. I or, mean, well, you know the other two in the division aren't going to do very much. You have Carolina, which is, uh, and you have Atlanta, which is going to be. Uh, Atlanta's going to be so bad. Yeah, they they may be the new Jets. Like the Jets may actually be better than Tampa this year. No, um, you know what's funny? I don't know if that was a joke that you just said, but I'm so y'all thought I was on the. Uh, Whose hype train was I just on? I, who cares? I'm I'm bandwagoning at this present moment, but I'm hopping from uh <laughs> from bandwagon to bandwagon. But I've spoke very very high highly of Robert Sala, and I said if he went to Detroit, I was gonna pay attention to that team. I said if he, you know what I mean, if Kyle Shanahan took somewhere else, he would go to he would stay with the Niners. I was just like wherever he goes, I'm gonna pay attention. He went to the Jets, and I said. This is my ultimate fandom. Like, we'll see if I'm still supporting Robert Sala once he does whatever he does with the Jets. And I got to be honest, I'm kind of liking it so far. So I've got the Tampa Bay schedule in front of me. Do you want to go through it when, game by game? Let's do it real quick. Open up with Dallas in Dallas. Give me four games at a time. Okay. Ain't that a month at a time? Yeah, give me four games at a time. At Dallas, at New Orleans, home for the Packers, home for the Chiefs. What do you have their record? I've got at least three and one. At least? Excuse me, sir. Wait a minute. Um, wow. I have two and two. Home for the Falcons. On the road to the Steelers. On the road for the Panthers. Home for the Ravens. I'll go three and one in that one. That Raven game is going to be interesting. I'd go three and one, yeah. So you're up to six and two, and okay, bet. Home for the Rams, home for the Seahawks, on the road for the Browns, home for the Saints. Home for the Rams? Home for the Rams. What was the next three? Home for the Seahawks, home for the Browns, or no, excuse me, on the road to the Browns, home for the Saints. Three and one again. I agree. One loss to the Rams. They'll lose. I don't know which game in that bunch is go- they're going to lose, but having three of those games at home definitely helps. So you're up to nine and three. Yep. And I'm slightly behind, so I'm eight and four. On the road to the Buccaneers. Home. Wait, f- they are the Buccaneers. Or no, I'm sorry. On the road to. I was, no, I was confused. I was like, where are we looking at? Uh, on the road to the 49ers. Mm. Home for the Bengals. On the road to the Cardinals. Home for the Panthers. Two and two, ten and six. Hmm. I go three and one. Wow. Remember, this is the Cardinals in the second half of the year. Okay. Ah, that's true. That's true. Ah. Ah. And they've done it not more than they've I done think it more they than lose one. The first two. I think they lose to Cincy at home. And they lose to the 49ers on the road. I can see that. They finish out with Atlanta on the road. 11 and 6. I got him at 11 and 6, and you have him at 13 and 4. 
You meet in the middle there at 12 wins. Okay. All right. All right. If they, I'm telling you now, if they hover around 11 wins and Dennis Allen squeaks out 10, still will win. I mean, Tampa's winning the division. Tampa, to me, is the runaway favorite for the division right now. Not a question. It's just a matter of we think New Orleans is probably going to be the second best team in that division unless somehow Carolina comes out of nowhere. And the consensus is they probably, I mean, Atlanta's probably going to be the last team in that division. That is probably the the consensus. To me, it's it's a fight between third as far as do you have, is it Carolina? The only argument we're having right now is who's going to be worse. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's Carolina or New, it'd be New, or Atlanta. It's not gonna be New Orleans, man. Stop saying New Orleans. Well, I know Carolina's gonna be or not Carolina. Atlanta's gonna be the worst team in that division without question. Yes, Carolina. Carolina has at least Baker Mayfield and and, and Matt Rule's a halfway decent coach. Atlanta has literally nothing. <laughs> Baker Mayfield can get a couple wins over Atlanta. True. What about everybody else? Baker Mayfield can get at least a couple wins. Like, we know Atlanta's going to be bad. And, like, Carolina's going to be one of those teams. They're going to be, like, a six or seven win team. I think Atlanta's still probably worse. They're no doubt going to be worse. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Marcus Mariota. Yeah. What if Marcus Mariota has a career resurgence? You know what's funny? We see it every year, and I think it's going to happen this year as well. I think the Jets, I don't know who they play week one, but, like, if the Jets win week one, everybody's going to be like, oh, that's the one, that's the one. I don't think it is. Like, what if Justin Fields goes out and throws for 400 yards in week one and they get a win? Like, we're going to get something like that in week one. We're going to get one of those random wild games. My gut has been leaning towards Atlanta. Atlanta's going to be really bad this year. I think they may absolutely stop steamroll whoever they play in week one i just we've seen it happen too much my dad's tipping is about the nfl tour we're actually gonna close this first hour with my dad's tipping what do you have though i'm trying to look up who plays in week one who are we talking about atlanta uh, oh my gosh let's see whoever atlanta plays week one you know what let's just pull up the full schedule so week one yep atlanta plays <laughs> They play the Saints at home. They're gonna they're gonna rock the Saints <laughs> they world. Have the Saints they're gonna home. rock the Saints world. I think they are. I think they are gonna blow the doors off of New Orleans, and they're at home. Why not? By the way, if Justin Fields throws for four hundred yards, he should take multiple victory laps around Chicago in Week One. That's a fact, especially if he does it against Nick Bosa. I was about to say, yeah. I looked at that. I was like, oh, if he throws four hundred against that statue, th- you can have a statue, bro. Joe Burrow throwing against four, throwing for four hundred against you guys opening year. No, Steelers are going to win games on their defense. They're, I don't know if they'll win that game, no but I don't that. think Burrow's going to throw for that much against a Tomlin led defense. We're going to see. I actually, I mean, I think we're going to see. Cincinnati, you know what's funny? Since he won that, or game. I'm going to say another game that that may turn heads, and that's cool because, like I said, I expect something in Week One. When I mentioned the Jets earlier, too, the Jets play Baltimore. Remember what I said, and they're playing them at East Rutherford. I don't know, man. Uh, Baltimore's had a wild offseason. I don't know, man. I can see New the, the the New York Jets getting a win. I can see Atlanta getting a win. And you want to know another team I can see getting a win? We always say – I always say it. I'm not saying these teams are going to the postseason. I'm not saying these win, these teams are going to win 10 games. I'm saying that these teams will probably have – these teams will probably have statement wins early in the year. 
watch out for that Monday night game. I understand that Russell Wilson is returning to Seattle. Bigger than anything. I think I know Seattle remembers that Russell Wilson is returning to Seattle. And I think they are going to shower him in praise and love. And then I think it's going to be really hard for Russell Wilson to communicate in that loud ass stadium. And I think he's going to be welcomed by the 12th man. And I, I just, I don't know, man. I'm not ready to say Seattle just yet, especially probably because Geno Smith is going to be your starter. That's going to be an ugly football game. It's going to be nasty. I mean, how are you, how is either team scoring points? I hope it game? rains. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those, you get like 13 to 7 type of finals. I mean, just Ugly. I'm happy you said seven because I wasn't giving them an extra point. I was gonna say six. Yeah, <laughs> and they made. I mean, they might get the extra point early enough to where like, it, it, you know, maybe they don't. They kick it when it's not that windy or something like that. Like, but you're right. It could be thirteen. Leave it to, to Seattle. It's always windy. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, if you're looking for points in that game, you might be looking other places because no, that's gonna be I think an ugly football game. Nevertheless, let's talk about something else that's pretty ugly. My dad's tipping is. Pretty heavy. Um, I thought it was interesting, but at the same time, too, he he probably is gonna feel like he's having this little old man moment, right? And he's venting. But I don't I don't view this as a get off my lawn type of situation. You guys let me know what you think. My tip in the day, I get to vent about an article that I read that I read yesterday. Back when I was growing up, we always heard sayings from our elders like for excuse me, for of those to whom to blah blah blah, and I'm over here stumbling. For those to whom much is given, much is required. Or, an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. Those virtues were instilled in us. Based on the article I'm about to speak about, I'm not sure that the same still holds true. Nobody had to hold the hands of the great ones to make them want to be great. The Kobe's, the Brady's of the world were gym rats and students of the game. First one on and last one off the field or court. Because they prove by example to their teammates and they prepare for their opponents. When I read that there is a stipulation in Kyler Murray's new $230 million contract that requires him to study film for at least four hours per week during the season to stay in compliance with the new deal. In addition, this four-hour study period must be done apart from the regular season team practice schedule. And he does not get credit for the study time if he is distracted by playing video games, watching TV, or browsing the internet. Failure to meet the addendum requirement will result in Murray. I'm sorry, what is it? Okay, this is in quotes. Okay, so uh, if, if he fails to meet those requirements, it will mean that Kyler Murray, his contract is actually deemable or deemed to be in default if he does not meet those requirements. So once again, if Kyler Murray does not meet that four-hour study period, and once again, he cannot be distracted by playing video games, watching TV, or browsing the internet, failure to meet that will mean that his contract could be in default. The addendum kicks in this season and will last through the 2028 year. When did we go from the NFL to the babysitting league? So... A uh, couple of different things that I that I, I feel about this. Uh, do you want to give me your take first? Um, sure. The first is, as of about four hours ago, the Cardinals officially removed that addendum from his contract. 
they quoted it as being a distraction. Kyler kind of made some comments <laughs> yesterday or today, um, essentially calling out his front office. Normally, this is a r- red flag, no-fly zone for me when it comes to this type of stuff. However, Kyler is absolutely right. Who are the Cardinals to be judging their franchise quarterback in his level of preparedness? If I'm Kyler Murray, I'm looking at Cliff Kingsbury like, oh, so you about to do the same thing for the second half of the year? Because we could pull up your numbers from the second half. We know how bad it gets. You might need a little more than four hours per week to prepare for teams in the second half of the year. Mm. Because last time I checked, we had a great first half of the year last year. And one, I believe. Yeah. And we lost a lot of those games in the second half. You guys aren't going to like me today. First of all, the reason why I laughed when I heard that, because you said just as of four hours ago, that news that just broke. Um, I'm so tired of scared people. Kyler went for it, bro. He was not scared of no. He was like, he, he went straight I'm up. just so irritated by it because... I'm with Kyler. Yeah. If you feel like a person is disrespecting your preparation, your preparation, absolutely. You should say something. You should feel away. However, if I am that same thing I just said with Devontae Adams a couple of weeks ago. If I'm Devontae, I'm asking for a trade. Yes. From the Packers, there's no way in hell I'm doing it. Sorry. I understand why Kyler feels disrespected. If I'm Arizona, I put that in there for a reason. It's not moving. You signed it. I'm not revi- I'm not making amendments to anything. For what? You signed it. I sat with it earlier and I read my dad's tip and I thought about it and I said, you know what's weird? We have gotten into a day and age where, and I'm all for it, but we talk about the players running leagues, right? Signing contracts, knowing (laughs) – I did text my dad right after to tell my dad, and this is a perfect example. I said, Zion has a weight clause in his. I wish New Orleans would back away from it. You put it in there for a reason. You guys have sat with Kyler for, what is it, three years now? You said that for a reason. The fact that you said that he can't be on the internet watching TV or playing video games, you said that for a reason. Now, again, if I'm Kyler Murray, I kind of like the way he responded to it. If you think I'm this small and had the success that I have had at this level, at any of these levels, and you think I don't prep, first of all, thank you, because like that's flattering. But there's no way in hell it would be possible. I get his point. But if I'm Arizona, I'm looking at it from a business perspective. These athletes, this day and age, are signing contracts with no intention of filling them, of fulfilling them, with no intention of fulfilling them. So now these teams are starting to wise up to it. If I sense people can call it a loophole, cool. I created a loophole and you willingly signed it. I set a bear trap and you stepped in it. You want me to loosen the bear trap? I mean, if I'm Kyler Murray, I'm looking at the Cardinals like, oh, we about to do this? Like, again, kind of what he said. 
if y'all really don't think that I don't prepare at my size, because I'm already undersized as is. So there's already natural preparation that has to go into that, regardless of the opponent. Not to mention whatever opponent we are. We might be facing a San Francisco defense, one of the top defenses in the league. You better believe there's preparation in that. I hate the fact that I'm going to go to this because it sounds like shut up and dribble, but if I am the Arizona Cardinals, this has nothing to do with race. If I am the Arizona Cardinals, my quarterback that I that just got off of his rookie deal was up due up for this extension. Let's just keep let's let's just keep it a buck. Arizona did not want to pay him this extension. They didn't want to do it. Who are they going to go find? That's why they did it. We don't have another option. So because Kyler did what Kyler was supposed to do and was like. I have nothing to do with Arizona. I'm about this. I'm not signing an extension. They haven't offered me nothing. I'm not. I'm not staying here. So everything that has to do with Arizona, yeah, you guys aren't finna see it for a little bit. I'm gonna make you guys feel it. We understand what's coming, right? He gets the contract because of that. If I'm Arizona, Kyler, I'm not finna keep hearing you complain. I just heard you do it all off season. So now you're complaining about something that you signed. Me and Kyler would have a different problem. I promise you. I mean, if you're if you're Kyler Murray, you turn around and you go back and you look. That's cool and all. If I if Tom Brady was your quarterback, would you take it out right away? I don't think I would have the question of Tom Brady studies. I think if you're Kyler Murray, kind of similar to what I said earlier. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like an Allen Iverson type thing. It sounds like a, it sounds like a practice type thing. Like you believe that. He's so naturally gifted at certain things to where you kind of, let's just keep it a being. Arizona doesn't believe Kyler Murray. They don't. So you can call it disrespectful, Kyler. You can call it whatever you want. It is. It's all of those things. But they feel like they're justified in it. My only thing is if you feel like you are that justified to put it in writing, you got the signature. Why back off it? It wouldn't become a storyline with me. Like I just said, Kyler, I just heard you over all, all off season. I'm not dealing with it to start the year. It's similar to what I said earlier. If I'm, if I'm Kyler Murray, I'm looking at, a, at that saying, cool, I better not be the only person in this organization that's got to sign something like this. And what if you do? Because I know for damn sure on that sideline, somebody should be signing that. I mean, again, you want to pull up the first half, second half splits? You want to question my preparation? I mean, my own head coach can't coach in the second half of the season. He falls apart. He it almost got too bad. It almost got bad enough. They may have almost missed. Wait, did they make the playoffs last year? They did. They did. They lost to Arizona. I mean, to um. That's right. The Rams. They almost but it missed. Was bad. Like they it was limp, bad. They limped themselves into the playoffs. Very true. Very true. That, that is important to mention as well. So if I'm Kyler, I'm looking at that going, cool. If I gotta sign something like that. He better for sure be signing something like that because that's definitely. I mean, that's a direct correlation of lack of preparation when you Absolutely. when you flat out just can't coach in a certain portion of the year. Who? This is random. Who's Kyler Murray's agent? Does anybody know? You could probably. I mean, it's probably something we could look up. Have you ever heard his agent speak? No. Why do we keep hearing from Ky- from Kyler? What's the exactly? What's the point of having an agent if you're the one that's like? Isn't that why you have the agent? If I am the front office in Arizona. Kyler, respectfully, I'm not dealing with it again. Eric Burkhart. Eric, you should start talking and telling Kyler to stop. Be like, yeah, no, bro. You just focus, worry about football. Worry I got, about I, throwing I, I the got football. You. I got you, bro. God. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, bro. Like I, I I heard everything that Kyler said and was like, I agree with him. Why are you in my headline again? Like, why are you on my timeline again, bro? I'm so tired of hearing about Kyler Murray this offseason. What the hell? If you're the Arizona Cardinals. They better win 10 games. Ooh. All this that I heard about them, they better win 10 games. That's an interesting. I wonder if they can win 10 games. You don't want to you don't want me to tell you where my gut initially went to. <laughs> you you said you probably went to the mouth. Man. Man. What maybe. happens if Chandler Jones gets a hold of him in week two? Yeah, that's true. They play at the Raiders. Ooh. And that's the Raiders season opener. Damn, huh? Ten might be tough with the schedule. I don't know, man. Ten could be I'm tough. I'm just tired this. of hearing about. It. We all have signed a bad deal. Yeah, that's we've all enough. either signed a bad deal or signed up for something that we realized was a bad deal. Yes. I, honestly, if you were that disrespected, or you felt that disrespected, the conversation doesn't even leave that room. I'm reading over paperwork. Okay, what's this club? It's laughable. I'm walking. I'm getting up and walking out. And trust me, if that's the case and Kyler does that, Arizona takes it out right then. We never hear about it. If you're Arizona, do you even put, if you were the GM of Arizona, Mm -hmm. would you have put the clause in to start with? It solely depends on, I don't have any personal knowledge of Kyler Murray. I'll put it this way. This team is what it is right now, right? Everybody, myself included, has limitations. If I felt like anybody on the team's limitations was detrimental to the point to where I feel like it could get in the way of something, I couldn't promise you that I, that your contract would look a little different from everybody else's. I couldn't promise you that. Doesn't mean that you're getting screwed any less. It just means it's exactly what it is. Dude. People are confused by what a contract is. A contract is simply a commitment. You expect your commitment to be exactly identical to everybody else's? It's not. You don't have the same strengths as everybody else. You don't have the same weaknesses as everybody else and vice versa for those people. Not to sound like that, but there's offensive linemen who get who sign contracts every year. You got to come into camp 330 or less. By the start of the season, you got to be 310. At any point in the season, if you go over 350, you lose your bonus. Whatever, whatever the hell it is, we see it on offensive linemen every year. I don't hear no offensive linemen getting up there and saying, well, well, I mean, when I was growing up, I had an issue with. You signed, right? Come on, man, let's move on. Eric got to do a better job, by the way, of uh, reading that contract first before they sign. Isn't that why you have an agent? Like, to, like, couldn't his agent, Eric, be like, all right, bro, this section's about this, this section's about this. Are you cool with everything before we sign the dotted line? How do we know that Eric ain't looking at Kyler like you knew what you signed? That could be the case. He could have very well I done that. I told you very well what you were signing. That makes Eric look nuts, by the way. Yeah, I mean, if Eric went through it all and – even probably mentioned to Kyler that there was this clause in there, and Kyler said, "Yeah." Then, then at that point, it's like Kyler, come on, bro. This is why we need Florida, our Florida man fact checker back. We have absolutely trickled into the second hour, but this is what happens when we get passionate about a particular topic. Oh my gosh, bro! Oh man.
Ugh. We talk on the time about whether we want emotions in sports, and then I was talking to somebody today, and it's like, I don't know if I could watch sports without emotion. <laughs> like, but it's it's of course we'd be like, ah, you don't don't put your feelings into it, but we understand what that means and how much of a a conundrum it could be because as we said before, we would not watch sports if there wasn't some type of passion kind of wrapped into it. Speaking of passion, you guys get to see all the passion. Actually, you guys have seen all the passion from the Vegas Nighthawks all season long. Earlier tonight, the final, I believe it was the fifth and final episode of United in Flight aired. Oh, man. Um, I, I actually took a moment recently to kind of just like fully, and this is how busy I've been, uh, kind of just take a moment to fully recap the full season in my head and look at some of the wins and some of the losses for the season. And I don't mean actually wins and losses on the, on the schedule. I mean, wins and losses just in terms of this inaugural season all the way around. Uh, I think fan support was a win for this team, even though it was, it fluctuated, it was up and down. I think being able to defeat defending the defending champions is a win, right? Being able to defeat teams that ended up going to the postseason is a win. So, I think there are some positive takeaways from this season, and I think the biggest thing for me is to continue to watch this fan base grow because considering that the IFL National Championship is going to be here at the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson, Nevada for the next three seasons, and you have your Vegas Nighthawks, I think the IFL, the just the, the support, the camaraderie of the team, considering that they can retain a decent amount of this team, uh, it's only going to grow, right? And we've seen teams, and I was actually watching the IFL playoffs last week, and um, or from last week, and uh, I believe it was Northern Arizona who was a it was an expansion team last year, won one game. This year, they're in the postseason, and it just kind of kind of gives you a little idea about how quickly things can change in this league with, I believe, only 12 teams? I think it's 11 teams now. Um, do you know they really lost the team this year for not paying their dues? Who? The IFL? Yes. Like, I don't know if – I think they paid – They the. I want to say the city started with an S, and that's the only thing that's coming to me. But anyway, the city uh, – or the team didn't pay – it's rent, basically, for the building. And because of that, they didn't have a home field. No home field. We weren't scheduling anything. And so a lot of people were wondering how Northern Arizona ended up on the Vegas Nighthawks schedule three times this year. That's how it happened. And there was a team that technically was booted from the league this year. So just to kind of give you guys an idea about what is still going on in the IFL world you got some playoff matchups coming up. You got some playoff matchups coming up starting tomorrow. You got Quad City. You got the Quad City Steam Wheelers heading to Frisco. So you're headed to the Frisco Fighters. The reason why I'm ecstatic about this particular weekend is because on Saturday, you have Northern Arizona at home, or actually on the road. They're still at home technically because they're in Arizona, but they're on the road against the Arizona Rattlers. Three, all three of the Arizona teams made the postseason this year so just to kind of give you guys a little idea about how uh, i can't say top heavy if i'm looking at the whole map can i lean and say west coast heavy the ifl appears to be presently but uh nevertheless as i mentioned before you do have two arizona teams fighting for the western conference championship 
I just want to put in, put something out there, guys. The Massachusetts Pirates, who actually lost to Quad City by a point, the defending champs lost by a point. Earlier this year, they lost to Vegas, right? If Northern Arizona beats the Arizona Rattlers and moves on to the IFL National Championship, yes, they played three times this year. Yes, Northern Arizona got the best of them twice. But that would mean that the Vegas Nighthawks would have a win over one of the teams competing for the IFL Championship. And bigger than that, they held Northern Arizona to nine points when they beat them. I don't know, man. Like I said, I'm not fin- I'm not here to, to try to make you guys uh, Vegas Nighthawk fans by any means. That's not what I'm out here to do. But I do think it's important to highlight that it's not as bad as everybody makes it seem, especially when you realize that this league is going to have a lot of parity, especially when you look at previous years. Uh, speaking of parity, let's talk about some baseball because it, it hasn't happened recently, but no more losing streak for the Aviators. Five-game losing streak is officially over, and I believe that they broke out of this losing streak the best way possible. Before I go ahead and inform you guys on that, let me inform you guys on what happened the first two games of this series. So, uh, first two games of this series, you have – Matt, this is going to sound like a joke. Through the first two games of this series, the Las Vegas Aviators had allowed 30 runs. Doesn't even feel real to me that I just said that, but that's exactly what happened. They lost 15-7 and 15-9 to open this particular six-game series. Again, it's on the road at Albuquerque, taking on the Isotopes. Um, When they lost this most recent game, they fell behind minus 32. Minus 32 in the run differential category in the PCL West. However... They still were two and a half games behind Reno. That's because Reno found themselves on a three-game losing streak of their own while Vegas was on their five-game losing streak. So they get out of that tonight. Make sure I click this. So why is it important? We've talked about Parker Dunshee, right? Parker Dunshee tonight got the win. Again, he's not winning at home. Still doesn't have a AAA home win in his career. But nevertheless, Parker Dunshee, he does have another win in a start and I say another because Parker Dunshee had got a couple of wins earlier this month but they all came from relief appearances if you wanted to look back to where the last time that Parker Dunshee got a win in a start you'd have to go back to May 4th now Parker Dunshee has officially gotten hopefully off of that schneid he's now four and nine on the year he does have an era of 7.13 we talked about it last game i believe we just watched that era climb while we were actually doing the show not the case today he did go six innings he allowed one run on two hits he struck out six he walked one so that just kind of gives you an idea of what happens and then you follow that up with garrett acton and domingo tapia so you follow that up with two relievers who have eras of 0.52 and 1.83 respectively so it kind of gives you an idea of where vegas was able to lean not to mention kevin smith shortstop kevin smith went three for four with two rbis out of the nine hole two of his three hits were both doubles aviators back in action tomorrow still in albuquerque uh wild series they've had an 11 o'clock game they've had a delayed start 30 runs in the first two games wait 11 o'clock at night a.m <laughs> 11 35 a.m i believe 
Okay. Imagine starting a minor league baseball game at 11 p.m. You know what's funny? I'd do it. We're like the natural night owl, so that that part doesn't faze you. I'm so weird, like when it comes to that. I just whatever. Nevertheless, <laughs> I'm I'm the type of person to be like Las Vegas ballpark midnight. I'm there. Um, t- random fun fact. Have you met Don Logan yet? Not yet. Okay, so we need to make that happen. Um, shout out to my guy Don Logan. Shout out to the Godfather. Um, I was talking to Don a while back, and Don knows every homestand. I typically go down and bother him. Let's say a six game, so I typically go down and bother him three games or so. Say what's up, poke my head in. Um, depending on how late I go down there to his suite, Don is in his office. So. Don has a beautiful corner office, and I was in there, and I told Don, and I was like, so, especially with this view, like, I'm already a person who likes to work at night, who already likes to whatever, whatever, I'm up at all, all hours of the night. I was like, man, they would have to kick me out of here. Like, I would stay in my office. Like, you would have to lock up the building. I'm in the office. And he kind of laughed, and he was like, I do. I just looked at him. You do what? He said, no, I'm, I'm in here, like, wee hours of the morning. And I just sat there and was like, that's the life. Corner office at Las Vegas ballpark, overlooking that beautiful view. Two in the morning, three in the morning. It's completely silent. Like, I think that's what people don't understand. That's why I get some of the best work done. It's like everything in the world is still. I don't know, man. So good to know that me and the prayers are alike in that sense. So maybe we could get him to get a game started at 11 p.m. I don't think the umpires will like it. That's okay. Pay them all overtime. It'll be fine. <laughs> Nevertheless. Uh, you know what's funny? Shout out to Jim Jim. I know for a fact Jim Jim wouldn't like it. Oh? You don't think Jim would go for it? Hell no. Nah. I know Jim. I'm telling you something. I am telling you something. Jim wouldn't go for it. Why not, though? 11 p.m.? Hell no. Nah. What time would Jim have to be there? You got to think about it. Jim would have to be there at like 4 p.m. and stay till the game is over and beyond. Jim would have to work like a 12, but his 12 would be like 4 to 4. Oh, yeah. Jim would protest. You I'm were, telling you right, you right yeah, now. No, Jim would protest right. and say, hell no. Nah. Jim is there at like 10 in the morning on games on game days that start at 7. Like, why are you here, Jim? <laughs> like... Whatever, man. I don't know, man. Jim Jimma, as I said before, one of the good guys in sports. Every Anytime we talk about the good guys in sports, there's no way that we're not going to mention my guy Jiggy from the Aces. Um, let, Let's talk. Actually, let's talk about the Aces in just a moment. We're going to finish up this aviator talk and or this baseball talk, and then we're going to hop right into the Aces to actually probably close out this show. My dad's tipping is in, isn't at the end of the show, so we don't have to worry about that, right? He closed the first hour. But this win against Albuquerque as I mentioned before is the first of this six game series the aviators now trailing this series one to two and they're 50 and 45 overall they're second in the PCO West they pick up a game on Reno tonight they're now a game and a half back of Reno keep in mind whenever however they finish up this series with Albuquerque they will return home to the Las Vegas ballpark where they will be met by intrastate rival the Reno Aces of the Arizona Diamondbacks organization. I think, as I said before, we was we, we mentioned before, it obviously depends on what happened in this particular series or how lopsided this series was either way. But 
I think now we're we're halfway through this series, so we know for a fact that this series next week is big in terms of momentum because of obviously the 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 calendar. It flips over to uh, to August. However, we know what the standings look like. So while the Aviators are twenty eight and twenty at home, they will welcome in as of right now the first place team in the PCO West. We'll see if Vegas is able to regain that kind of prize position that they kind of have for what I believe was over two months now. I don't know, man. You got anything on the aviators before we move on? Got to get some wins together. Consistent wins, at least. For a team that's been hovering around over 1,000, I mean, over 1,000, that's insane. Over 10 wins, uh, or 10 wins over 500, I should say, for the year. To see them before tonight's win, sitting at 49 and 45, was just just weird on the eyes, right? It's not what we've seen from this particular team this year, but we have seen it from Las Vegas teams of the past. Uh, we're not seeing it from the Oakland team, I'll tell you that much. Have you paid attention to the Oakland Athletics? This is supposed to be the fun part, right? Supposed to be. Have you? Uh, I know they're winning more. Hmm. Winning more. How? The Aviators are winning more. They just ended a five-game win streak with a with one win. That's winning more technically. What kind of clip are the A's winning at right now? Do you know? I want to say it's like six of their last seven. Or maybe it's eight of their last nine that they've won post-All-Star break. I like it, Matt. I like it. I like it. I like it. Now, the A's, and this is the fun part, right? The A's are six and two post-All-Star break. So just to give you an idea, the A's are six and two post-All-Star break. Most recently, they swept the Houston Astros. Now, Matt, what did we just talk about? If you are a team on the decline, the downswing, whatever you want to call it, in a division, if you're division rivals of that team, you have to put your foot on their neck. We saw it with Dallas a couple of years ago in the NFC East. They smashed Washington twice. They smashed Philly twice. They smashed New York twice. And they were like one and whatever against the rest of the league. But they took care of the bottom feeders in their division. Why has Oakland seemingly been able to kind of snap a, snap out of it as of late? I think you get to a point where you just start playing ultimately loose. Like, I think Oakland's at that point. They know they got nothing left to lose. So maybe they're trying some new things. Maybe it's, you know, trying maybe some different rotations, just something to shake up the lineup to where maybe they find something that works. It might not work in the short term as far as results is concerned, but it could be something that they build off for long-term results. And, um, I mean, you, you look at the standings, you know who they only set five games behind? A team that's also starting to win. Okay, they got one a little more than just one game. Oakland's a win winning. is a win. Oakland's winning. Well, technically, they got that snap tonight by Texas, who won two zero. Did they? They got they got shut out. Well, there you go. Back to being the Angels. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. They give you twenty four hours uh, to hope, and then eh, uh, I don't know what you guys want. I, I thought about it this morning. I did. I thought about you this morning because I woke up and I said, "Wow, 
I'm, I'm looking at this these baseball standings, and I said at the end of the year, if Oakland sits ahead of them, like time to be an eighth fan. Yeah, like am I ready to like trade? Like I have like I have angel jerseys. Like I have an angel pillow pet. Like what do I do with all of these things? Like he made that come. I oh my go. gosh, <laughs> man! I don't know. I don't know if I want to own up to that one, but. When they're playing like this, it's no reason why you wouldn't want to be an Oakland fan. They just swept Houston bigger than what you just said a second ago. You said they're 6-2 and two after the All-Star break, which is monumental right now considering that the way that this season looked to start for Oakland. I have a bigger number for you, at least I think it's pretty important. They're 5-3 and three against Houston in July. And i've never been more happy to be more middle of the road and nearly 500 ever until you realize how how much houston stomped oakland early in the year and kind of they got off to their 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 slower start right but then they got it together and when they got it together we know what houston looks like when they're cooking so to get three straight wins against them a 7-5 win a 5-3 win and a 4-2 win Granted, Adam Aller also got his first major league win, so he got his first career win. Big congrats to him, former aviator. Uh, you mentioned it before. You you send me to Oakland schedule sometimes, and you just – you seven aviators in the lineup today. Chock full of aviators, just plenty of different ways to discuss it. Now you're seeing them flooded through the bullpen and or starting on the mound. So uh, positive things to take away from this season obviously we we talked about it a second ago with the vegas nighthawks and i think that's important to mention as well with this oakland athletic team because we know probably what's going to happen at the end of the year even if they're fourth in the aos we know that this team is going to finish outside of the playoffs and they're going to finish a decent ways away from the playoffs so nevertheless these are the small winners that you guys have to take also be happy that that series took place at home because the A the I'm gonna say the Aviators because the A's are now 17 and 33 from home. They're now 38 and 63 as Matt just mentioned a second ago. They are last in the AL West. They are 27 and a half games behind first place, but only sit five and a half behind the Angels. Actually, no, five games now behind the Angels because the Angels lost. Eh, I don't know what you want from me. You know those free Shohei. Chants are getting awfully loud, especially with people knowing he's going to be do a bag really soon. Move the team! <laughs> like, oh man, can we get a, I'm can so. We, can we get another owner in the MLB to buy the Angels? Is that even humanly possible? Does Mark Davis care about baseball? Hey, Mark, we we, we need somebody, bro. <laughs> like, uh, who owns the Las Vegas Lights? Ooh, I don't know if that owner would be. Bill Foley still on the team in Vegas? We got to figure this out. I don't know. Have we got to figure have this a, out. Have a Bill Foley, Mark Davis co-owned. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> Move them to Saskatchewan. Like, who cares? Like, at this present moment. Mike, Trout, Mike Trout in Vegas? You know the sad part about baseball. Mike Trout could be in Vegas, and I still think he could walk the strip and people wouldn't know him. That's pretty sad. Unbelievable. I think Mike Trout can go to Target and not be bothered. <laughs> and it's worth that's half gotta, a billion. <laughs> that's got to be a blessing, though, for Mike Trout. 100%. He's like, 100%. Because those who know, know. Right. Because he knows he, he can go out in public. Ain't nobody going to ask for a picture or an Damn. autograph. They'd be like, 
Who who are you? Oh, okay. I'm walking right to Target. <laughs> right to Target. I'm walking right in Target with this ten gallon hat. What's up? Yeah, <laughs> like you wouldn't know who it is anyway. Like what? What difference do it make? Baseball players and soccer players have it made, bro. Like they have it made, bro. Like a lot of the bigger stars in soccer, you obviously know. A lot of the bigger stars in baseball, you obviously know. But there are some stars that are huge in the sport that maybe just aren't huge outside of the sport. Just walking around, walking around unbothered. So I don't know, man. Nevertheless, I know I'm unbothered by their record this year. Uh, Speaking of records, let's talk about a positive record because the Aces, they finally got their championship celebration. It it didn't happen at the end of the season yet, Yet. right? But it definitely happened in the middle of the season. The the Aces, rather, have been crowned Commissioner Cups champions after a 10-point win over Chicago in Chicago from Wintrust Arena on Tuesday. I mean... Breakout game? Four? Vegas. You're not going to like my answer. Gut check game? Maybe gut check game. I don't like breakout game. Did the Aces really? Okay. This is going to sound trash because they just won a Commissioner's Cup. Shout out to them, obviously, winning this Commissioner's Cup. Um, First quarter was everything, right? 33 to 14. Uh, Chicago did mention a lot afterwards. James Wade even mentioned it a little bit. Um, they played them even. The rest of the, actually, they beat Vegas the rest of the way through. So that first quarter was the difference. It was ultimately the difference. So it's Friday night dinner. All of a sudden, boom. And you get Chelsea Gray had moments in the third home quarter. And car insurance we'll could save you hundreds. Then the neighbors are like, Asia ah, put the finishing like, touches on that perfect, that picture perfect double double in the fourth know, quarter. Geico. Outside of those moments, we've been at all Aces games this year. Outside of those moments, did this game feel like one of those games where, this game, where it the Aces were posted? No. What happens if they play five against Chicago? In a five-game series? I think the Aces are winning the series. It's true. Everyone gets a free new Samsung Galaxy S22 with a Galaxy trade-in. Any year, any condition. Really? Even if my old phone looks like this? You took way too long. (gasps) Why? I'm not even ready to say which way I'm leaning. It's okay, people. But I think it's going. It's train 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 I think it's going. It's not complicated. New and existing customers get a free new Samsung Galaxy S22 with the Galaxy trade-in. Any year, any condition. You're not going to like my answer. If you had to ask me today, right now, July 28th, 11.32 p.m., who would win a five-game series if it started today? I understand what I just saw in the commissioner's case. It's a big deal. It's a major shift in their strategy, uh, at least as far as the public strategy. What Secretary Blinken said was they made this offer weeks ago, and there had been a lot of speculation about what was happening in the Biden administration. There's been a debate between the Justice Department, the State Department, even in the White House. 
Do you yeah. trade for someone like Brittany Griner with the guy right who there. everyone believes? Is Even though we talked about it before, Victor and we're going to discuss Boot. it, I tried to uh, not feel weird while typing the story, but like I typed the story, I explained There's what been happened. A debate and, over whether or not that would create. Um, I don't know how everybody else was taught during their journalism careers, I was taught to. And a lot of people had speculated that the Biden administration was frozen. Explain what the win or loss meant early in the story, and then get into the next to the next game before breaking What's down the specifics of the particular game that you're covering. It's a major aggressive shift after everybody may not want to read the story, saying, hey, right? Back off, the United States. Let us play out our trial. How they treat it like it's a legitimate proceeding. I got a quote. And then maybe I know we can what talk. The this is, was strong where pushback where they from the are administration. The I know a legitimate trial you know in Russia today. Uh-huh. Do you think it's coincidental that this uh, this one was weird for me statement because, is made today as you said before it means Griner so much publicly at her trial and spoke about her mistreatment in all at once like is so this the political it was kind of weird to just write the administration it about feels it in like such they a, have to do something uh, publicly celebratory moment I, you know I like in a celebratory way directly that they coordinated the messages only what to I just conclude it was that yeah, since so this began the 13th, they've coordinated the, the messages or the 13th Brittany day Griner's road trip camp her, her representatives and her attorneys really against India. like I don't know what how the hell it worked so, this Secretary but it's exactly what you just mentioned before it was a game that this you know his statement was obviously ready to go and it is the first time that she has said they had an answer to your question that would sort of ruffle the feathers of the Russian government she said I mean both sides still had their their, their due big process dogs under Russian law. Uh, and that just goes to show that's why I said even with this Aces win, it's a 10 point it's win. A it's a first sort of first quarter. That you've heard. Uh, you look at these final like numbers, Kelsey Plumley's all scores with hey, 24. Asia, I, I mentioned that okay, double double a second ago, 17.17 rebounds. added two steals and six blocks. Then you get to the MVP's numbers. You get 19 points, five assists, four rebounds, and a steal. Actually, a steal and a block from guard Chelsea Gray. You got a Duke product. Taking home another MVP. So and it's Friday one of the night. Now, all of a sudden, boom, in the story and, you get the uh, role. Actually, your home and car insurance could save you hundreds. Uh, and the neighbors somebody. Like, huh? And little girl. Got like, the I, off, but I think maybe. Huh? Um, I think it's, I know, right? Geico. We don't have to talk you about see it anymore. That gigantic right hand that she's Especially knocking everybody out I think with, you know, that's floss. We've talked about it. We a just lot go right in, into it, in you know, and of, and that's not something that normal people are um, like, okay, I can't so wait. Scary. You know, it's like that's scary. So that's a scary reality so that you're players. gonna know I think the that you have to go take that head on, eat it like it's a Scooby snack, and keep coming forward. this team has a regular season And not a lot of people are built that way. I, I am built. I'm not the type of fighter to retreat. I am the wall that gets bashed up against when it's time to meet that fire well, I mean, with I, fire, and I, I will not you retreat. After the game and I, said, and, and so I think that that was the, the recipe for success. You because, do not retreat. You stand your um, ground, and if she wants to come Tuesday take night. it, let her come and try, nation, but, but we're absolutely frankly, going to come and meet this, this monster head on, and, and we got to cut its head off, and and that's that was the plan from and day one, and and that's my focus. A lot of people in Vegas, myself included, a lot of people that have followed the Aces, were like, no, we've been trying to tell you about Chelsea Gray for a while. This is the first time you got to see it firsthand. How, it's true. Everyone gets a free new Samsung Galaxy S22 with a Galaxy Trade-In. Any year, any win. condition. Really? Even any if my old phone looks like, like the game was getting out of control. This. Great <gasps> he dialed up Why? A, a skilled path. Like, it's okay, people. They've trained for this. 
It's not complicated. I think new and existing customers get a free new Samsung Galaxy S22 with the Galaxy trade-in. Any year, any condition. You had a car that's overheating. Dump some coolant in to cool what it off. What is the significance what of what Gray the kind U.S. Of government has now said? Is. She she reassembles it's significant. and gets everything it's a, back it's in It's a major shift and in the messaging. That's what she did uh, Tuesday night. Strategy. You know, what we don't know you is could have made the argument for Kelsey Plum with 24 now, the U.S. You could have made the argument for Asia Wilson with 17 points. There was a lot of speculation whether the Biden administration would be willing to do some sort of prisoner swap. But I think the biggest reason Chelsea won this award, especially in the second half, when you looked around and Vegas needed a bucket to stop a run, Everyone to look at it like it's oh, a legitimate guy. legal proceeding. You saw Minnesota make their run. The finally coming uh, out guess, for some reason well, Vegas today was on the road, and right? saying, this season, "No, this is not legitimate." We've been trying to strike this deal. What that, we that don't Chelsea know has. is how does this affect anything going forward. Chelsea is the is the we person who closed out that game against Minnesota in Minnesota. Right what is think, the significance uh, of what she had One of the things that I talked about last home game when I talked to Chelsea, I said, "Up till now, she's I think you actually may have been in the room, but I told Chelsea, I said, "We've seen you hit big shots. you." A have lot these big moments this season, see her buzzer trouble. beaters. And Very I told her, I don't think I've ever seen her smile for yourself. More. And she has you kind of kept her head down all along. A season high in she assists. pleaded guilty because they smoking knew that left it was right, a guilty verdict. Was the ball is on conclusion in this case. She hasn't done anything to ruffle feathers with the government or the court. But what she said today. Critical of how she was treated. It was a clear message, all not night, just to or Russia, but to an international audience. Her reaction that, after hey, winning Russia the Russia says they want us to take uh, this trial seriously. If you, well, even here's if you didn't know it. where they didn't follow And I think that was kind of a big moment for uh, for potentially risky. I don't know about everybody, but I thought was, I took it as a big US moment for for me only because you 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 have moments when we talk about the time. Very heavy sentence, right? You're expecting a verdict and sentencing. You do run into certain people, certain time, and we talked about that. Would be August favorites right Jay but Quinn, you, know, we'll you, you run into people certain times and you just realize that they're good people like you know what i mean they're good they're good humans and chelsea doesn't necessarily get recognition all the time and i think what's so interesting is becky it's true everyone gets a of, free new samsung galaxy s22 right with a like, galaxy trade us the any year quote, any condition if you wanted to start really? your story with even if my old phone looks like but the all-star game was played in Vegas or in uh chicago <gasps> this year why? Four of the five starters in it's Las okay, Vegas were people. named to the All-Star team. The lone starter that wasn't named to the All-Star It's not complicated. Was new Chelsea and existing Gray. customers get a free new Samsung Galaxy S22 with the Galaxy trade-in. Any year, any condition. So you have five of those six The defense strategy pieces, all along, right? talking to Your people around her, has been go along to get along. They want a guilty They want a guilty Becky verdict. mentioned it They're by saying want admission before you leave. Added to it by Don't do anything to upset the apple. Card, uh, just keep your head down and keep moving. This was her I first see. sort of so criticism not an of the Russian moment, government or the way that she was handled. Out in tears and in what moment, I've been advised by people, kind of warranted. U.S. officials like, and that's, other that's experts, one of those moments that, as I said before, sports rights and sales. She goes back to audience. the venue it's that one Russia could argue she probably should have been playing in earlier this month. Anyway, not only does she claim a commissioner's trophy, commissioner's cup trophy, she takes home the MVP honors and as I said before, I think the biggest testament to this team. Now yeah, Tom, it does sound like three Brittany Griner called out Russian authorities for settings. how she was treated when she and was initially detained. Teams. From your experience, how might that affect her case now? Tuesday night. Well, it might affect the case because Russia has some of the same principles that we do, and the statements and made by a defendant are supposed to be made. I guess it was my dad um, that pointed with it out. With full knowledge, voluntarily. And 
um, with her right. consent. Similarly, if she gave yeah, consent it was after to one search of the her luggage, yeah. that would have to be I don't know known what's going on with Chelsea. Consent. Kind of she didn't form. know what she was doing. Was she like didn't know what they were like, saying to her. She didn't have a lawyer advising her about rights. All of that theoretically could be ruled inadmissible. So this may be part of a broader legal strategy. kept happening again. Maybe she is in the slump. Tuesday night was kind of the aha moment for me. It didn't come till after the game, but it was an aha moment for me. And it was a a moment where I think... We love our house. Been here for years. Yeah, but there's an animal Chelsea in the attic. Turning a corner. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, run, run. At least Geico makes bundling our home and car insurance easy. We save a lot. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com. Kind of hard person. Because, I mean, up until Tuesday night, I mean, Chelsea had had okay games here and there, but it was rather a little bit inconsistent. You know, she would have some games where she was really quiet. She would have some games where she puts in some decent numbers, but it was just nothing that you could really count on a, on a consistent basis. You know, similar to what we have, like, with somebody like Kelsey Plum, which you kind of know what you're getting every night. Asia Wilson, you kind of know what you're going to get with every night. Chelsea was kind of that hit or miss for the, the couple weeks, you know, in that period of time. But I think Tuesday night was everything Chelsea Gray needed and probably more. And I'm telling you now, if you get that production night in and night out from Chelsea and Kelsey Plum and Asia Wilson, and you get a Derek Hamby that doesn't have to necessarily score in double figures, but has to, be, but is still a factor on the floor. And we still have Jackie Young that's a, that's good for probably 10 to 15 a night. That's why I think if you gave me a five-game series with Chicago, I'd probably take We love our house. Been here for years. You're giving yeah, me that but there's an animal in the attic. I could get that. a little thing outside of requirements. At least Geico I'm makes willing, bundling I'm our home and car insurance easy. We save a lot. For bundling made easy, go to Geico.com. I think anybody <laughs> Nevertheless, let's talk about these standings really quick. I know Connecticut closed the spot tonight with the win over Seattle. So let's talk about these standings. As you see, she's between them. Everybody's so worried about the no look. They don't realize she can take it up just as strong. It's the game behind Chicago. So, you know, obviously something to mention with that. Don't look too closely in your rearview mirror, but Connecticut's right there. They're a half game behind the Aces. They're 20. He needed to take care of Asia Wilson while she was getting up off the floor on the other end. <laughs> sure did. Yeah, that was an area focused behind the back pass to Asia Wilson. Oh, the end one. sees the opening before anybody else in the arena does. And how she delivers the basketball is masterful. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Perfect spin. Oh God, it's to, only to be able to Washington pop up. or Seattle would probably have something to say about that, and it would be Washington catching Connecticut or Seattle catching Vegas. And I don't see Seattle catching CJ, Vegas. How big of a deal is this that the Biden Washington administration announces a proposed deal with Russia? I guess we'll have to see, but it might happen. And if it happens, I think we need to talk about it. Now, do you think Vegas catches Chicago for the top spot? That can happen. Remember, I was going to say, remember, these two teams have to play each other one more time. Yep, still. that can happen. In Vegas. That can happen. And 
they Chicago plays at home against New York tomorrow. Chicago plays at home against New York tomorrow. Then they travel to Connecticut. Mm. You know what's funny? I see two back-to-back wins for Chicago. I see them absolutely stomping uh, New York, especially after they just beat New York recently. Or New York just beat them recently, and they just lost the commissioner cut. I don't see – I see Candace Parker going insane this game. I kind of do. Um, after that, though, mm, this Connecticut matchup. What time What time is that game? Do we have it up? If you if you don't have it up, that's Yeah, I got it right here. Okay. Oh, man. Sunday, 10 a.m. Pacific. So when I was going to say, though, they'd grind it out. If it's a 10 a.m. game, I'm just not sure. I still think they should grind it out. It doesn't get any easier for them. They are at home for the Wings. They host Washington after that. I think they go, ooh. If I say that they go 4-0, and how do you feel about that? In that stretch? Mm-hmm. I would say Boom. I, I see at least 3-1. and I'm cool with that. reason why I said I'll take it is because similar to what I asked you earlier, sometimes the answer does don't be what I'm looking for. The fact that you thought about it is enough for me. Because that means that if they go for a no, you're not too off put. Reason why I said it is because it's gonna get so tight down the stretch that these teams are probably gonna start looking a lot like what you said earlier in the year, where we expect these teams to kind of go on these runs so the chicago's the connecticut's the washington's the seattle's when they play each other i think that's when we're going to have the issues but i think you're not going to get too many hiccups against or with indiana uh or with vegas against indiana chicago against new york things like that now is the time to where we're kind of getting in a playoff mode like we, we can't have these these slip-ups well we thought that stretch of four was any more difficult their next stretch of four or i guess their last stretch of four before they get to the playoffs this could be where Vegas catches them. Okay, which is? Because Vegas has a hell of a Final Four, too. Home for the sky. Or, no, home for the sun, rather. Okay. DT. Oh, no, Connecticut. I don't know why I keep saying Phoenix. Yeah, so they play Connecticut, Connecticut again. Sorry. So they play Connecticut again for the second time in four games? They lose in one of those. They host the Storm. They'll probably get that one. They go to Vegas. They're they going to lose that one. And they go to Phoenix, who could be fighting for their playoff life in that game. We we talked about that. If Phoenix has With playoff, she's going for 30. Oh, like, it's just yeah. one of the things, like, off rip, DT is going for 30 anytime that a game is on the line, as Vegas last year. We've yeah. seen that, right? Um, Vegas, I mean, and <laughs> Vegas doesn't have nearly that tough of a stretch. I don't think they do. Another person that we watched last year while Diana Taurasi was doing that is somebody who we haven't been blessed to see on the court this year, and that is Brittany Griner. I wanted to end this show by talking about Brittany Griner. Um, I do not want to be wrong. Um, can you get the name for me, actually, or do I have the name? I may actually have the name. Uh, who? Yep, okay, Paul we- Paul Whelan. Is it Whelan or Whelan? Anyway, it's, it's one of them. I'm, I apologize, Paul, regardless. Uh, but Brittany Griner... More news broke recently, I believe yesterday, uh, the U.S. officially. And this is what's so weird because yeah, this is Paul not. Whelan. Huh? Paul Whelan, you're right. Okay, thank you. So 
this is not meant to be a joke by no means, but it just shows that we are just in a wild moment in history right now. I typed in Brittany Griner's name on the Google and I'm getting ready to, to to type in whatever it is. And I believe the second thing that pops up is trade, Brittany Griner trade. And we understand what her career choice is, right? Career field is. And kind of a heart-wrenching moment for me to realize that Brittany Griner's name is being mentioned in the trade. And I'm sitting here laughing in my mind, thinking an average person wouldn't understand why this is so heart-wrenching. This is the biggest trade of her life, and it has nothing to do with her career. And she has no say-so. Like, this is this entire situation is mind-boggling. And what's so interesting to me, and this is why I say it's comical, nothing about the situation is comical, but we talk all the time about people that just are committed to not getting it, it's comical to anybody who still doesn't get it. Like anything that you don't get at this point, you're just not trying to get. So I am here to say, um, I'm probably gonna do it more on the podcast, but I'm here to say I'm 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 here to admit when I'm wrong and things of that nature. If and I say if the Biden administration, in addition to other government officials, were we know how trades work, right? Now we can get into a little bit of compared to this situation is completely ignorant but sports right how how trades work i'm willing to come in here and admit i'm wrong if the biden administration was going through their proper channels to say it will never be a one-for-one trade we mentioned it before Brittany griner who is allegedly over there for something that should have been a 700 fine i believe was the number She's been detained for, what was it, 160, 161 days today, officially. And by the time that we're done with this next 10 minutes, we're in the 162, technically. So you you take the idea of what she's over there for and what Russia is asking for in response by the release of or the, the trade, the swap, the prisoner swap of Victor Bout, who was a known arms dealer in Russia. I mentioned it before. We talked about it before. You have no choice but to do it. But we understood the scale with that and which one was weighted more. So we understood that the U.S. would be getting shafted with that with that deal. As I said before, I'm, I'm OK to come in here and say if the Biden administration was trying to figure out what other American they could release from over there, it obviously isn't good for Brittany Griner's part. But if you're bringing home multiple Americans, bring them home. It goes back to what we've been saying for this last 160 days. Just bring them home. Yeah, man. I mean, 161 days. That's a bit, bro. And, and as bad as it is to say, 161 and counting. Um... I want to address something real quick. For all the people that, because I, I I see some of the comments and they're like, "Oh, BG didn't like America. Like, why should we be in such a big rush to bring her home?" That's cool and all that you got that opinion. Keep in mind, BG is somebody's wife. She's somebody's daughter. Put yourself in those shoes for a second, and tell me if you got the same energy. At the end of the day, I mean, I get that the U.S. might be getting, quote-unquote, shafted in a trade deal. 
if it means BG is coming back home, if it means more Americans are coming back home, you do it at any cost possible. It doesn't matter. We're talking about human lives here. At the end of the day, when you're talking about human lives, who got shafted and who got a great deal really doesn't mean two flying you-know-whats. It, it's the difference between BG probably living a fuller, complete life on American soil than having to worry about it on Russian soil. Mm. I mean, are we really going to sit here and try and put a price tag on somebody's life? I don't know, man. Sad thing is we've seen the U.S. and the answer has been yeah in certain situations. So as you said before, as we both kind of just, just said right now, yeah, we get it. <laughs> we get the U.S. may feel like they're quote-unquote taking a loss, but you're getting one or two or three or whatever amount of your own back in return. And... I think for for that reason alone, similar to what you just said, that point is priceless. Um, Letting people on your soil know that you will protect them at all costs is priceless. Ask BG if she feels protected right now. I don't know, man. Until next time, guys. Talking. Yeah.